0: This show was created for you, the broken Catholic who's pushing to get your spouse, your kids, and yourself to heaven. Wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you're just one surrender prayer away. What's present in your heart and mind right now that maybe uh, you're moving towards? God's been showing you. God's been opening up something. Uh, with you in that or Mm -hmm. uh, there's been just really strong struggle maybe in that because God grows us through friction and uh, so I'm just wondering is there anything there Um, because like you said it's my show and I can kind (laughs) of shift the content as needed Um,
1: right right
0: anything showing up for you there if so great and if not no big deal
1: well I think um you know what the presiding emotion in this season is just a lot of grief and loss. Um, not just from the children themselves. We went through our family went through a season of just loss after loss. One of which was my youngest brother, mm. um, my youngest and only brother. And so it's funny cause, um, I've been talking about this move for a couple of years. and right before he passed, um, you know, I started, looking at what it would look like to go back to New Jersey like um, sending my licensure for my licensure um, to be changed to New Jersey and all kinds of things and then right before the holidays last year he passed uh, on December 20th and it's um, and so that's been a a big presence in this move as well because it's like Oh, goodness. You know, now um, there's there's purpose in moving. Because now, you know, things are a little bit more clarifying as far as um, why to move and uh, wanting to be closer to family. And I'm 45, and um, I would like to live the second half of my life, you know, um, close. I, I want to be known. I want to be around people that knows me and loves me and a community that Um, supports me and it's funny because I sent for my license to be um, transferred to New Jersey and the day they the, the the date on the letter they wrote me back was the actual day my brother died Um, So looking at that letter, I'm like, I don't know, you know, what's happening here, you know, spirit of God, what do you want from me? So we know the move is necessary, is needed, but it comes with a lot of grief and a lot of loss, you know, um, just so many layers of loss. And so for um, people my age group who are in similar situations, um, empty nesters and, Um, transitions. There's loss and grief in it. Um, There's so much in it. You know, I tell my friends um, the scripture that keeps coming um, to me is um, Roof 1, I think 2021, where Naomi was sharing of how, um, you know, bitter she was. And I don't think we give Naomi enough credit I think she she was a theologian in her own right, teaching us about the t- theology of suffering, you know, giving us language um, of those who suffer or what that language can sound like at times. you know when there's loss upon loss, you just feel like you ain't got nothing else to give um, And so she's been um, leading the way in me just, Um, confronting my feelings with God and confronting my grief with God. So it's, it's just been a season of loss. Um, But also knowing the presence of God, because she can only say say those things because she had a relationship with God. You can't really talk about God in such a way if you don't care. And if you don't have a relationship, right. So That's
0: powerful. Let's speak about that today. And Actually, I'm just going to go uh, live with the show right now, if that's cool with you. Um, okay,
1: let's do it. Because
0: we're in it. We're in it. We're surrendering yeah. to God. And what does he want to say? So uh, BC Nation, we are speaking with Eula uh, Prevalon. You can find her at Um And uh, she was on my show uh S- several months ago, right? Uh, so you can find her at mm-hmm. episode 275. Uh, it's entitled, Why You Don't Have to Be Afraid to Finally Serve the Poor and Marginalized. Uh, and we had a really powerful uh, conversation about moving to where the hurt is in the world, moving to where the suffering is in the world. Uh, rather than saying, God, bring it to me, um, we actually go out and look where God's already working. Uh, in others' lives, and and today she's openly sharing um, how she's moving uh, from Texas back to New Jersey, her her roots, her family, and why. And uh, it's been um, that transition back is has several factors in it. She's sharing, and hopefully you can relate somehow to her. Uh, maybe you're an empty nester right now or soon to be. Or recently, and uh, that's where her and her husband are, entering into that new chapter of their life. Um, or maybe you've had loss and grief in your life recently, and you're experiencing that now, or a year ago, um, and that's where uh, you know you learn a husband are right now, and. Um, that's part of their decision to get back with family, to really get back to who matters most, to get back to those, those relationships that sometimes when we move away, um, we don't spend as much time, you know, with those people that we used to spend every day with. And, and we, and that we grow apart, right. When we don't spend as much time together. And so we're going to get into a little bit of that grief and loss and uh, new chapters in your life, and yeah. bringing God into that. And, and what an advantage it is to have that relationship with God versus someone who doesn't, who also experiences these things, but has nowhere to bring it, has yeah. no one to bring it to. So let's get into that conversation, Eula. And, um, you know, where has God really been showing up? for you, uh, in the grief and loss and this new chapter you're headed into in your life.
1: Yeah. Thank you, Joseph. And thank you for having me back on the show. Um, you know, I, my name is usually uh, one that is a stinker and uh, especially in America is I was born in Haiti. And so, um, so it's Jula or, you know, so it's, it's, um, it's whatever at this point. Um, where is God showing up? Um, you know, in this season of grief and loss, I think what I've um, what I've sensed God doing in this season of grief and loss, and there are multi layers of grief and loss. You know, with empty nesting, um, our children are gone; um, they're off to college. One is graduating college. Two are sophomores in college, and we're in a big old empty house on our own. And I'm extroverted, and I love people around, and I love, you know, just feeling the energy of people. And so there's loss in that, and there then there's loss um, from the pandemic. Um, we lost a, a family member, and we lost several people that we've known from our church in New Jersey. Um, who lost their lives um, from the pandemic. Um, and then there's personal loss of family members who passed. We had a close cousin that passed a year ago this month. Um, and then um, our nephew at 20, he was 20 at that time, passed um, on December 8th of last year. And then my brother um, passed December 20th of last year as well. So just multi layers of of loss, tangible loss and the ones that people wouldn't even categorize as loss. You know, your children leaving home, no one would ever say that there's grief and loss and that, you know, parents who have small children are at home are are rejoicing for us, Um, you know, thinking that finally you're free. And, but for us, we're like, there's loss. We don't know who we are, you know? For 18, 20 years, our life has been centered around parenting and taking care of them and making sure all the, their needs were met. Now they don't need us in the same way anymore. Um, they're spending less and less time with us. They are calling lo- less and less. And, there's, and, and we're fine with them finding their way and living as adults. But it also comes with loss. Um, the loss of relationship, loss of closeness, loss, loss, loss. And so God um, in this season, I think, has been near. I'm reminded of the Psalm, um, I believe it's Psalm 34, where it says, you know, God is, uh, is near and close to the brokenhearted. And I, I believe that is true for those who are deep in loss. When I came back from the holidays, because our plan for the holidays was to, as every holiday, was to go to New Jersey and um, have a big family um, gathering. Both my husband's family and my family are in New Jersey. Um, and so our plan last, um, last Christmas was to, to connect with our family. First, we were going to have December 24th with our family as we always do with all the food and all the games and all of that. Um, and then December 25th spent with my husband's family Instead of that plan, we were planning funerals for my nephew in Georgia. So we had to fly to Georgia for my nephew's funeral. And then as we're on, you know, at my nephew's funeral, we're flying to New Jersey for my brother's funeral. So all of that, all of the holidays plans were just botched. So coming back from the holidays to um, Texas, I felt so broken. Like, I have never felt um, that level of grief and brokenness in my entire life. And I, my dad passed, my grandmother passed years ago. In 2012, my dad passed, um, my grandmother passed a year later. Um, even with their losses, I had never ever felt so hollowed, so um, grief-stricken, Um, so empty. Like I had nothing, nothing left to give. I had nothing left to give. Um, you know, I, I feared coming back to Texas because I knew the boys would be going back to their lives, you know, back to school, back to college and all that. And my husband worked nights and I feared being alone in my grief, in the darkness. Um, and it was bad. It was really bad. I, really didn't have too many people to talk to because people don't like talking about grief and loss. <laughs> people kind of, they, they avoid those conversations like the plague because they're, I mean, we live in America where everything is happy, you know? Every commercial is to try to avoid, um, for us to avoid any semblance of pain and suffering. Um, shows are, you know, everything is to quell are pain and suffering, right? So with me and my grief and loss, it's like, you're on your own sister, you better deal with that on your own. There were two people at work who, um, at my private practice who um, suffered grief, um, just tremendous, tremendous losses in their lives, who understood and sat with me. But outside of that, it was so hard to find a community of grievers, you know? They weren't around. But Naomi, I found comfort in her. And she's found in the book of Ruth where I I remembered the scriptures in my head. I'm like, who in the Bible can help me in this grief? I just kept scanning, scanning in my head. like Who has the language that can communicate what it is that I'm feeling right now? Um, I'm like, who as a woman can speak my language is lost. And so I found Naomi in Ruth 1, um, verses 20 and 21. Um, and she named it. When I came back to Dallas, I, I, I felt so broken. She said, don't call me Naomi, um, call me Mara because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. I'm like, this is it. This is the language. This is how I'm feeling. I feel empty because God has afflicted um, pain on me. Now, I know there are many people listening and theologically, they're like, God didn't do this. God is not the orchestrator of evil and this and that. Naomi sounds like she's, you know, she's saying she's blaming God for inflicting so much pain. I don't care what the theology is right now in your head, but for the sufferer, the sufferer, the one that is in pain and suffering, they, we have this language that God, you are sovereign, you are over the heaven and earth. You could have stopped this. And we have pain right now. And I think, um, you know, and I've thought about this a while that you know, and I scared. I was afraid of my thoughts. I was afraid of these thoughts because I'm like, God at some point is going to smite me, and He's going to get angry back at me, and I don't want to feel God's wrath and anger. And I cannot let these thoughts um, be. I can't let them pervade. I cannot have these thoughts. But you know what? I felt the presence of God even in those thoughts. You know that. God was okay with my thoughts. Like, God is not fragile. You know, I find that, you know, as parents, I would, you know, tell my children, you better watch your tone. Don't talk to me like that. Because parents, we're fragile. We want our kids to be respectable parents. And so we don't want our children to talk a certain way, even when they're angry, even when they're lost. We want our children to have certain tone and certain ways to talk to us. But God is not fragile like parents. God welcomes those conversations. God is man, woman enough, you know, to, um, to embrace their children that are in distress and that are saying things that, you know, that they just need a hug. They just need to express the pain that's in our hearts. And Naomi gave me that language. So I call her theologian Naomi. Um, She is leading the way um, for us to have language and um, um, for for us to find language to speak about the suffering and the pain that is all over. Um, So she leads the way, she really does. Her, Job, she's like the female Job, you know, um, where, she's she's speaking about god in the midst of her pain. Mm. Yeah.
0: So much that you just shared there. Thank you for that, Julia. You're welcome. Um, I really like what you're bringing into this conversation that god is not fragile. That god can handle our worst thoughts and our worst feelings. And that is a lie of the enemy to prevent us uh, from bringing our hurts and our woundedness to God, to our Heavenly Father. The enemy says, oh, you can't say that to God. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's wrong. He'll smite you.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And that's the enemy's trickery, I believe, to keep us isolated and alone alone uh to the point where hopefully we break.
1: Yeah.
0: And then we act out in our life with vices and sinfulness, et cetera. and that's what the enemy's going for. He's literally going for the destruction of God's children. Right. And that God gave you that um, the opportunity, to really see that that's the benefit of being a believer is that not that you're um, prevented from suffering, not that you're protected from suffering all the time, because suffering, as we know, biblically is very good and very useful at times in our lives. And it's the very thing we need to grow or to move forward. And God will use that suffering, but, it's not that God promises to protect us as believers, but He gives us where to take the suffering, right? Mm-hmm. To give it to Him, to put it in His arms, and it's His strength that carries that burden. Yeah. Why do you think God has taught you this lesson? Not why, I should say. I, I this is something I catch myself all the time with, and and I also mm-hmm. instruct my mm-hmm. own clients is uh, why questions with God are useless.
1: Yeah.
0: They actually lead to more frustration.
1: Yeah.
0: Ask what questions rather than why questions. Guy, why are you doing this? Why did this happen? Why didn't you protect me? Right there. It just creates bitterness and resentment yeah. and blame. But rather, what? What are you trying to tell me? What are you showing me right now? What do you want me to learn from this? What do you want me to do next? Right. And the what questions are where the power is. And when yeah. we ask, powerful questions we get powerful answers. so what has God been trying to tell you or has taught you about him, about others, about yourself through this affliction this time of grief yeah. and loss in your life?
1: Yeah thank you for clarifying the why and the what because it they, the whys are really not helpful. Um, when we're in the midst of pain and suffering, because the more why's we we ask, the more and empty answers we get from well-meaning people. Mm-hmm. Um, people will try to answer the why, um, and and for those listening, you know, I would even recommend. You know, when we hear sufferers asking why, to do your best to not try to answer the whys. Um, I know, you know, we live in America and we live in the Western um, society where we have answers to every question. These are questions that's not yours to answer, you know. The sufferer uh, wants you to sit with them, um, bring food, wash their clothes, be present, um, bring money, um, you know, those things, because grieving loss, the, the loss of a person brings all kinds of challenges. What God is teaching me, it's so layered. Um, I think one of the key lessons that I'm learning is about time. Um, I think it was Lupita, that said something um, that um, Bozeman's wife says, you, you have time, something about you have time, but, but don't waste time. So it's teaching me to slow down, but spend time doing quality things, you know, like um, slow down your pace, like don't be so frantic and thinking that resources will run out and you're just flailing, you know, that I need to get this resource today, today, today. If not, the world is going to fall apart. Settle down, the world is not going to fall apart. And if it does, God is within her, she will not fall, right? So there's this slow, there's this pace that has slowed down for me. where I'm not pursuing as anxiously as I used to. There is an anxiety that happens in us in this Western world where we feel like the more we are doing, the faster we are going, the more that we show that we are accomplishing the better. Um, and I think that's a lie that causes anxiety, like clinical depression, that causes unhappiness, that causes us to, um, it robs us. It takes so much away. It takes time from family. It takes time from ourself. We don't know who we are at the end of the day. We, we have our hands in so many different pots that we, we're just lost, you know? So I think grief has taught me to just settle down, be still and know that God is God. Um, um, you know, just, just watch your pace. You're okay. Keep walking. You're fine. You don't have to run um, all the time. You don't, have to be, you don't have to engage this anxiety, this anxiety machine all the time. Like settle down, check your breath, Check your heart rate. Do it well, and you know, go with God. The second thing is teaching me is um, the quality of my work. Like, do good work. Like, do purposeful work. Do meaningful things. Um, you know, spend time on those things. Have meaningful relationships. Have deeper relationships. Don't spend too much time on shallow things. Um, find the things that are, you know, um, meaningful to spend your, your days on. Um, and for me, that's what I've been moving into is just really looking at the quality of my work, the meaning behind my work, the purposefulness of my work, how is it serving others? How is it supporting others? How is it um, making an impact in the kingdom? Um, the third thing is teaching me. I think that goes with the first: is presence. You know, to if I'm if I've committed to something, commit to it. If I'm talking to someone, have a conversation with them. If I'm eating, eat. If I'm drinking, drink. Um, is just be present Um, show up fully Um, don't show up while you know you have a zillion things on your your brain like put some things down when it's time to show up for someone show up and let the spirit of god connect you with that person so yeah grief is teaching me that and i i think the fourth might be that community Grieving as a community is important. Um, Don't grieve alone. Um, You you know, it's interesting that in both Job and Naomi, they weren't alone, even though, you know, in Job's case, the company wasn't necessarily all that great. Um, But there's a lesson in that to not grieve alone. I, I think what, and then the pandemic taught me that because. When I came back in January, I was alone in my grief. And then the pandemic happened. And I felt lonely. I felt alone and lonely. But then the pandemic happened. all of a sudden, I felt like I had a whole nation, a whole world of mourners and grievers that joined me in this grief and loss. And all of a sudden, I didn't feel as alone in my grief because everyone was talking about loss. Um, not And, and it, it, I didn't feel good that they lost people, but it felt good that I had um, a community of people that um, were grieving, that had the language, that understood the language of the griever and the mourner. So those are a few of those lessons that I think I'm taking with me. Um, I hate the pain and suffering and I don't understand it yet. I can't tell you I understand why God uses um, pain and suffering, because I, I I do believe God wants good for us. I do believe he wants us to flourish. But I also notice that there's a dynamic in the Gospels where pain and suffering, in the Gospels and all throughout the Bible, that pain and suffering is... a uh, strong tenet of our faith and what to do and and how God shows up in the midst of pain and suffering how his power is made evident in pain and suffering so I don't have answers for that I do know I hate it he hates it but he uses it if that makes any sense
0: that does (sighs) BC nation, maybe you're struggling with grief right now, or you're struggling with loss. We all are at some point, some moment of our life, sometimes many times. I think a big lesson I'm taking out of this conversation with Julia is that one, God is not as fragile as we think. He can handle our worst thoughts. He's waiting for us to bring them to him. When we bring them to him, he uses them um, and brings good out of them. And also I take from this conversation to slow down my, your anxious pursuits. To really just slow down that franticness of life to stop following the crowd. They may look, look good on the outside or have shiny things, possessions, but on the inside, many are just hollow corpse walking around. Let's be real. That's why when you speak to some people, even very successful people, there's a deadness in their eyes. Don't you see it? The other thing I've taken from this conversation is be still and know that God is in control. We are not because we're not God. Whether that be as a world or that be as our own lives, we're not in control of anything. It's important to get that. Also, I take from this, Julia recommends, do purposeful work. Do things that mean something. In order to do that, you got to slow down and see what actually matters in your life. And then she says, deepen your relationships. Like really focus on those people in your life that matter. Look at your wife right now. She matters. Look at your husband. He matters. They're doing life with you. You may not like the way they show up all the time. But guess what? They don't like the way you show up all the time. But they're there. They're not leaving. They haven't left. They're doing it with you. They're struggling with you. Let them in. Let them into your heart. And then she says, don't grieve alone. Grieve in community. That's powerful. Grieving in community. And right now we're grieving as a nation. We're grieving as a world. It's a global grief that's happening. Years ago, you know, 9-11, we grieved as a nation. When we took loss, when we took hits as a nation, we came together. We put aside uh, ideologies. We put aside theologies. And we just grieved as humans, one nation under God. And I believe now we're grieving as one planet. One world under God. And it may not look like that in the media, but the media represents a very tiny percentage. Always remember that. They are the minority. All the hate, the violence, that's the minority. They're just really loud. The majority look like you and I. They look like Julia. Awesome, amazing human beings who are loving and big hearted. Who suffer and grieve who put family first as best we can it's the one thing we all have in common is family it's the one thing we're all working at striving towards is family it's family it unites every single human on the planet family and we're part of our bigger family the family of god it's quite a blessing so i just give you all that and and serve that up and julia i think has done a heroic job of of doing that And the biggest thing I'll leave you with personally is if you're grieving or in a time of loss in your life, stop asking why questions, start asking what questions, it will shift everything for you instantaneously. And you'll start to get real answers to the real suffering that you're experiencing. Julia, what do you want to add to this to wrap us up? This has been a very powerful conversation.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm grateful that you um, had me come on to share a little bit. So thank you for that. Now, I think, um, you know, I've shared all that I can share um, or most of it because the it's grief. It's a process. And so um, for those of us that are mourning um, and grieving, you know, all the losses, just allow yourself to go through the process and know that God is present. There's no formula for grieving. It's just what it is. You know, as long as God is with you in the process, um, and you allow God to be present in the process. Um, that's how we, we do it one day at a time. So keep walking and keep grieving, keep mourning. It is a part of life. So, yeah.
0: Fantastic advice. And BC nation, if you're not grieving right now, maybe you'd going through a time of joy and celebration in your life. Congratulations. That's awesome. Right. That happens for all of us. Mm -hmm. Um, But maybe there is someone in your life that is grieving and maybe you've stayed away from them because like Julia said, uh, nobody wants to be around grief. (laughs) Yeah, It's it's somewhat depressing. Um, But I think she gave great advice um, what you can do to help them. Uh, don't answer their why questions. Why is this happening to me? Why is God doing this? Why did God allow this? Don't answer those questions. Rather, give them what questions as a gift and, and bring that to them and say, well, I don't know why. Nobody does. But maybe ask yourself, have you considered what is God trying to teach you? What is God trying to show you? What is God using this pain To create in your life to break through maybe something that he just couldn't get through with anything else to get your attention. What is it? And that's a gift. And then also just be present in their lives, spend time with them, sit with them, listen, show up, cook a meal for them. I remember when we had our first baby girl here, uh, we just had some friends just uh, text me and show up at a house with dinners, um, home cooked meals. We didn't ask for it. We actually didn't need it, but it was really awesome. And they just came and and just said, here, we cooked for you. So you don't have to tonight. Like what a gift, like that's community. That's beautiful. So be that gift in someone's life right now. It's those tiny little things that make people feel loved. All right. So we're speaking with Julia Prevalon. You can find her at juliaprevalon.com. Um, Julia, let's do a quick confession round and then let's wrap up the show. I know you did this last time on episode 275, but, you know, things have shifted and I think your answers may shift as well. What is your favorite yeah. thing about God in, oh, the, in, his, in this time?
1: You know? Oh, his presence.
0: Yeah, his presence. What's yeah. your least favorite thing about God when it comes to grief and loss?
1: Um, His, at times, silence
0: yeah because yeah. sometimes mm-hmm. you just gotta go through that process right he's right there yeah, but yeah. there's no he's silent
1: kidding. he's a silent partner <laughs>
0: he's a silent partner uh what are you most afraid of um in these times
1: dying dying without a purpose
0: yeah yeah, yeah. I got that for me I think it's uh dying with um broken relationships that have not mm. been healed that I haven't mm done the work and deepened, you know, I haven't yeah, gone first. in. One. Yeah. Uh, what did you spend way too much time doing in the beginning of your grieving process?
1: Um, ooh, that's a good one. I want to say anger. Um, but I felt like the anger propelled me into where I am. Um, like it was necessary, but I did spend a lot of time in anger. I wouldn't say it was too much, but so I'll stay with anger, but I think it was warranted.
0: <laughs> Got it. What secret fear do you have about people in regards to you sharing your grief or loss with them?
1: Um, that they would try to fix it.
0: That's powerful. Yeah. What do you wish you had learned sooner about God and grief and loss?
1: Um. Time That he gives us time. He's not in a rush for us to be healed, quote unquote, um, from grieving that. Yeah,
0: that's a good point. That it's a he, process. He wants us to fully recover from the heart surgery.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah.
0: And we want like instant recovery back on our feet tomorrow. Right. right. And, like I got things to do. God, like, let's get this done with. Yeah. Uh, what is a new habit you want to form or create uh, right now during this grief process, as you're wrapping it up or coming towards the end of it?
1: Um, just more meditation time to be still. I'm I'm in, I'm working on it. It's not perfect yet.
0: <laughs> yeah, I so got that.
1: Meditating.
0: And is there any bad habit that you want to break right now, based on our conversation?
1: Oh, too much time on social media.
0: (laughs) I think BC nation, if you are going through any type of loss or grief, the worst thing you can do is to be online on social media. It's a recipe for instant depression.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't make it worse. It's gasoline on the fire. Don't
1: do
0: it. It is. It is. Awesome. Uh, Pick three words to describe who you are right now at this moment during your grief
1: and loss. Um. Reflective, um, slower, kinder.
0: Interesting. Pick three words to describe who you were before the grief and loss hit when you were doing all your pursuits and productiveness.
1: Anxious, unaware, a little bit more surface.
0: Yeah, got that. Yeah. And last question, Um, if you could come back to life uh, after you died and tell your family and friends only one piece of advice about grief and loss, suffering and God, what would you say to them?
1: I would want to give them some hope about Jesus, (laughs) Um, that he's real. (laughs) It's amazing. This is amazing. So, that's I think knowing that Jesus is real and that there is an afterlife gives hope. Um, What makes grieving hard is um, sometimes we lose sight of hope.
0: Yeah. So, coming back and saying, Hey, it's all worth it. Keep pushing, keep going.
1: Exactly. It's going to be
0: great. (laughs) Yes. Awesome. Any final wisdom? What's the one thing you want my listener to know about uh, well bringing in, in their grief and loss to God?
1: Keep walking. Keep, keep walking, keep um, staying the course when you find yourself stopping. That's um, when you should be concerned. But as long as you're walking, however messy, however you know staggered your steps may be, just keep walking.
0: Just keep walking, BC Nation. Good advice. Uh, Julia, best way for our listeners to get in touch with you if they just want to reach out and tell you how uh, you uh, sharing with vulnerability today impacted what they're going through.
1: Yeah, um, just go on my website. You'll find all of my information to get in contact with me. um, Eulaprevlon.com, D-I-E-U-L-A, Prevlon, P-R-E-V-I-L-O-N.com.
0: And BC Nation, if you want to go through me uh, to send a note to Julia, that's fine. Or you want to share something with me as well. uh, My email is joseph at josephwarren.net. Joseph is spelled J-O-S-E-P-H. So joseph at josephwarren.net. Um, And I'll be sure to forward that uh, communication to Julia directly. Uh, Hopefully this conversation has touched your heart and your life uh, in some way and has made you a better person because of the time you spent today listening. Um, Julia, I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life, girl.
1: Thank you. Same to you.
0: Cheers. BC Nation, you cannot show up authentically in your life without building faith in your business. If you want the business side of that conversation, I have another podcast called First 100K, where I interview successful entrepreneurs about how they made their first $100,000, because that's where I believe 90% of you are stuck and you can't break through. Go to first100k.com to find out how. I'm Joseph Warren. You were made for greatness. So stop being a wuss and start being a winner. Have a blessed day and
1: I'll see you right back here next week.